You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. You can also find us on the new podcasting app Himalaya. And you can get your car to tell your smart device to play Locked On Packers. We're going to talk a little bit today about something that I think has really been overlooked in the course of the Packers offseason and and what is being discussed. Now, one of the things that I have always found interesting is no matter what you put together as an offseason plan, some fans out there are annoyed, even if... I were to put together a group that had, okay, pass rusher, safety. I mean, I put together my ideal offseason a couple weeks back. And some people didn't think I focused enough on the offense. And others think I didn't focus enough on the defense. And there is there is no pleasing every fan. And I understand that. And no matter what happens, no matter what goes on, the Packers are not going to be able to please everyone. There are always going to be fans out there that just want to be mad, that that aren't happy if they aren't complaining. And that's true in life. It's true in sports. It's it's true everywhere. And it's certainly true in Packers Nation. And, and I don't I don't begrudge anyone that. You be you be a fan the way that that you want to be a fan. Okay. I'm not I'm not here to judge you for that. However you want. I don't I don't know why you choose to be miserable. That is your choice. Understand that is your choice. You do you, truly. I, I, I really, I don't care. But I, I think what we haven't spent enough time discussing is the, the ways in which the Packers' offense, from a personnel standpoint, can and should get better. And I think part of that is because we, we have been so stuck in this this model that the Packers have been running for years and the Mike McCarthy offense and what that looks like and what the Packers offense needs to be for him is not what it needs to be for Matt LaFleur. I got a note on Twitter today that was aimed at a number of Packers media that was that was an, uh, an ask that we spend more time discussing how potential new offensive players would fit Matt LaFleur's scheme versus Mike McCarthy's. So how are things different? And, and, and the truth is, there isn't an ocean of difference in between them. And so in some ways, it's sort of like, well, most of the guys that fit what Mike McCarthy want also fit what Matt LaFleur wants. I have, I have been over this a million times that... I don't think Green Bay is going to play with three receivers nearly as much as Mike McCarthy did. I think they're going to want to spend much more time in two tight ends, much more time uh, with two running backs, let's say, and and attack defenses through mismatches. The relative mismatch 
that you can create nowadays because teams have reacted to the spread offense. They understand that basically they need to play nickel at all times. And one of the reasons they need to do that is because most teams are playing in 11 personnel with three receivers most of the time. And even if they're not, the fastest way, this is the Mike Patton idea, the fastest way to get beat on defense is through the air. So you put multiple corners on the field. You you put more than two. Some teams are going big nickel. Green Bay did that. The Chargers had some success with that in the playoffs. Get more smaller guys, more defensive backs on the field. Well, what people like Kyle Shanahan have done and and what Josh McDaniels have done is they have said, okay, cool, if you're going to play in sub, we're going to stay in base and we're going to dare you to beat us and we're going to run the ball and good luck stopping the run with your small personnel and even when we want to throw the ball, we're going to stay in those smaller personnel groupings and we're going to exploit mismatches. And we think, at least on early downs, you're going to stay in your base defense. You're going to play with that extra linebacker. And we're going to use our running backs and our tight ends in ways that you just can't match up with. And if you do decide to go small, as Mike Patton did in week one against the Bears last year, we think you're not going to stay patient enough with the run game or be efficient enough moving the ball down the field to beat us consistently. And that worked for Mike Patton in week one last year. It worked for Mike Patton on a number of occasions last year. He dared teams to run the ball, and they did. It's one of the reasons why Green Bay was significantly worse as a run defense in 2018 compared to 2017 when they were the one of the best run defenses in football. Mike Patton doesn't care, and I'd, I don't really care that much either, frankly. But the cool thing about Matt LaFleur's offense is he has said, is what what he's going to do is he wants to play two tight ends and say, well, we can still go empty with two tight ends or with two running backs. And we can still run bunch formations and we can still do interesting and different things to get defenses off balance, even out of base personnel. And that's something that we just haven't seen in Green Bay in a long time. And so... After the Packers, I mean, going into free agency, Green Bay was in a position where they needed a makeover defensively. They needed new edge rushers, and they needed help at safety. And I think you can make the case they they could use uh, some more depth at defensive line. They could use maybe another inside linebacker. There's there's plenty of of concern there, and then there's there's still the need for some stuff on the offensive side of the ball, but I think because the defense has been a problem for so long, that has been the focus of this offseason. And even after the free agent spending spree, anytime I suggest any offensive player in the first round, especially an offensive player with the 12th pick, Packer fans are immediately defensive, saying, no, it has to be Brian Burns. No, it has to be Devin Bush. It has to be this other defensive player because they just need all these defensive players. Why? Why? Because they've they've spent tens of millions now on upgrading this defense, two pass rushers and a safety. And if they can't 
impact this team in a, in a material way, in fact, in a, in a more than material way, in a serious way, then that's, a, that's an immense failure by Brian Gutekunst. On the other side of the ball, there are much bigger question marks right now. Geronimo Allison is the number two receiver on this team, but, but beyond 2019, is that the case? We're going to have to see. Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis are veteran tight ends that are going to be playing major snaps in 2019, but in 2020, who knows? Brian Bulaga, right tackle in 2019. Is he going to be the right tackle in 2020? Who knows? And do they have a running back on this staff that can provide something in the passing game? Maybe that's Aaron Jones. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's someone that's not already on this team. And do they have a receiver outside of Devontae Adams that can win early on in routes, that can win in the quick game? Now, that's not a huge part of the offense, but it's going to be in the offense. A lot of this passing game is going to be down the field. They want to create chunk plays. They have guys for that. EQ, MVS, Devontae Adams, they're built to create down the field. And they have a tight end in Jimmy Graham who can create on those leak tight end plays that they like to run. And they have a tight end in Mercedes Lewis who can block for them. But when you look at this team, the long-term questions are on the offense. And yet any time I want to bring that up, I get so much pushback from people who say, no, they need Brian Burns. They need to add more pass rush. They need to do this. They need to do that. And I'm I'm just, I'm like, why? Yes, they need a good defense to be a good team. But did you not watch last year? Did you not see what happened when the offense stagnated? Mike McCarthy was a big part of that stagnation, to be sure. No question about it. But part of the problem was also the lack of talent. MVS outperformed his draft stock. Equinemius St. Brown outperformed his draft stock. But you're talking about fourth, fifth, sixth round picks. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are fourth and fifth round picks. Mercedes Lewis and Jimmy Graham, while at one point in their career were legitimate good players, are not anymore. So you're talking about Where are the pedigreed players in their primes? Where is the blue chip talent? It's Devontae Adams. That's it. When we're talking about skill players, I mean, offensive line, obviously, David Bakhtiari, blue chip left tackle, Corey Lindsley, probably red chip center, Lane Taylor, borderline red chip guard, Brian Bulaga when he's healthy, borderline blue chip offensive tackle, certainly blue chip right tackle. And it's the skill position players that are the questions. So why is it so crazy that th- that they take some swings there? I don't think it is, and we're going to talk about some options in just a second. Sometimes you guys are are almost too smart for your own good. Um, a couple days ago, I got this note from Matthew in Cape Cod. He said, what do we think of Noah Fan at 12? Previous podcast said we could teach him blocking. And Nikhil Harry at 30. I know 30 might be a stretch, but those are two bold, game-changing picks. Well, yesterday, Doug Farrar over at USA Today and Touchdown Wire came out with a mock draft that included TJ Hawkinson at 12, so different Iowa tight end, and Nikhil Harry at 30. 
And this this drew the ire of some in Cheesehead Nation. Oh, why couldn't they get, you know, TJ Hawkinson over at Oliver and Devin Bush and, and all this stuff. Now, me personally, if Ed Oliver is there, I think Ed Oliver is the third best player in this draft. The only guys I would take over Ed Oliver in this draft are Nick Bosa and Josh Allen. So if Ed Oliver is there at 12, it will be a bummer if the Packers don't pick him. And especially if they don't pick him and they take someone like Hawkinson, who I think is just not as good. You know, if if someone like Josh Allen fell, okay, let's have a conversation. Montez Sweat falls. The difference between Montez Sweat and Ed Oliver to me is not that big. So if they're both there somehow at 12, yeah, you you take him. I, that's fine. But if we if we set aside the Ed Oliver part of this, which I get is not something that if it happened in real life, you could just do. You know, Jair Alexander versus Derwin James is always going to be a consideration in the minds of Packer fans, even if at the time it was the right decision to make because of the the added value of that first round pick. And I think if the Packers get a good player at 30, there's just not going to be any discussion about it. And even if they get just a mediocre player at 30, I think Jair Alexander has the ceiling to, on his own, make Packer fans forget about the Derwin James thing. But more to the point for our discussion on this particular topic, if they walked out of the first round with TJ Hawkinson and Nikhil Harry, you have your number two receiver opposite Devontae Adams. A 6'3", 220-pound monster after the catch. A guy who can win jump balls. A guy who has athletic traits to get better as a route runner. Who reminds me of a young Des Bryant. And you add in TJ Hawkinson, who is a perfect fit. If there is a coach for whom TJ Hawkinson is a premium position player and a top 15 talent, it's Matt LaFleur. It's this offense. It's that Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan offense because of everything that he can do for you. Look at what George Kittle does for the 49ers. He is their passing attack. And and Marquise Goodwin and Dante Pettis create down the field. When you have guys who can create outside the numbers down the field, the way Devontae Adams, and I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling can, that opens up the middle of the field for guys like TJ Hawkinson. And if you have Nikhil Harry, who I know he runs 4-5, that's not blazing fast, although Jordy Nelson ran 4-5-2. Nikhil Harry can win down the field on the sidelines because he is such an adept jump ball receiver. If they came out of the first round with Nikhil Harry and TJ Hawkinson, I mean, I, I think that's the sexiest possible draft. I really do. I don't know that it's it's the best use of value because of what uh, the the other players likely to be available at twelve. I think Nikhil Harry is one of the twenty best dudes in this draft. I mean, I have him at sixteen. I don't think he's a stretch at twelve. If they traded down with Washington to get down to fifteen, take Nikhil Harry. Serious. Take Chauncey Gardner Johnson too. I, I, mean, I I love him. I think he's a he's a great fit. I think he's the best safety in the draft, so there's reasons to do that there too. I'm just, 
I'm just looking at this team and saying, where are they deficient moving forward? And in 2019, the answer is they're not really that deficient anywhere. I mean, this is this is as solid and as complete a team at every spot outside of, of the, the other safety that Green Bay has had in a couple years. I mean, I thought going into 2017, they had a pretty complete team. And, you know, if Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, maybe they do. I think the biggest deficiencies on that team were, were frankly, the coaching staff, Mike McCarthy and, and Dom Capers. Well, now I think Mike Patton is an upgrade. I think Mike McCarthy, I don't know if Matt LaFleur is an upgrade, but I think this offense suits the improvements that Green Bay wants to make. And so you look at this roster and you say, okay, at, at certainly at places where they had been traditionally deficient over the last few years, they are much better. This is certainly not the offensive line with TJ Lang and Josh Sitton and what those guys brought. But Billy Turner is going to be serviceable, which is more than you could say for the guys last year. The places they're deficient, tight end, number two receiver, future right tackle. So let's say the draft is Hawk, Harry, and Chris Lindstrom falls to 44, or Caleb McGarry, the Washington offensive tackle, falls to 44. That's a really good draft. That's a really, really good draft for Green Bay. And they come out, and they have answers everywhere now. Everywhere. Except maybe free safety. And and that's obviously a position that they just, they really just don't care that much about. Because they have they have done little, you know they they had opportunities even beyond Adrian Amos to improve this position uh, in free agency, and they haven't. Now they've met with a number of safeties in this draft. I think they're they're going to target one early, especially if Tremont Williams is is really a cornerback, as they've said. But this also sets up the scenario that I have been espousing for most of this offseason. So let's say they go Hawk at twelve, Nikhil Harry at thirty. And Lindstrom or McGarry at 44. Then this brings in my favorite situation for the Packers in this draft in terms of the likely and best scenarios for them to land impact players. Let's say one of those safeties, Juan Thornhill, Darnell Savage, Nasir Adderley. And I think Adderley is the one most likely to fall. Small school guy, uh, somewhat limited experience as a safety, didn't get a full testing profile. I think there's a good chance he falls. I, I, I think him in the first is a, it would be an upset at this point. But it could be someone like Deontay Thompson who looked like a, a top 10 pick at one point early last season and fell off the radar a little bit. Let's say he falls into the 50s. Green Bay packages their third and both their fourths they move up into the 50s. They grab that guy, whether it's Thompson, Adderley, whoever it is, and they go from there. And they they do eschew those, those mid-round picks. They have some lottery tickets later. They've got the, the pair of sixes. They've got their five. They still have picks. They still have places where they can add some, some flyers. They love to add athletes late. But given what they've done in free agency, they can afford to get a little kooky at the top of the draft. And I, I don't think the scenario that I just laid out with a tight end, a receiver, and an offensive tackle is really that kooky. 
It's really not. They need guys at those positions. Maybe not this year, but moving forward. And so it's not stepping outside the realm of making this team better, maximally improving this roster to draft players at those positions. Now, it's always about opportunity cost. Who are you not drafting when you're drafting those guys? But I think if you're in a situation where, okay, at Oliver's gone and you know the, the other top pass rushers are gone and the answer and and you're looking at okay it's it's Dillard versus Hawkinson versus Bush let's say now me personally I would still take Dillard but then you know okay let's say that's the situation they take Dillard at 12 and then at 30 they take Nikhil Harry and then at 44 they take Irv Smith Jr. or they take Jay Sternberger, who was, who was in Green Bay this week on a visit, or they take Dawson Knox. That's not a crazy situation, and they have added future long-term starters, regardless of what is happening in 2019. Long-term starters at three key offensive positions, crucial offensive positions. I've said it before, and and I'm going to keep repeating it until the draft because I I genuinely and fervently believe Green Bay is going to take a tight end in the top 50. In this offense, that tight end can be the number two pass catcher in this offense. And if that is the case, that's a premium position. There's just no two ways about it. That, That is. That's a premium position player. And then you add a third receiver. With pedigree, with talent, uh, Nikhil Harry, Paris Campbell, Debo Samuel, one of those guys that comes in now and it's more than just potential because, yeah, MVS is uh, is good at a specific thing. He can get down the field, and that's useful, especially in this offense. We don't know what Jamon Moore is. And I have high hopes for Equinemius St. Brown. I think his best his best spot in this offense in particular is as a big slot weapon. But I think he could play outside. I think he can be a legit number two receiver. I thought he was a top, I thought he was a day two player last year. But if they could get a Nikhil Harry or Paris Campbell or even a Marquise Brown, you know, I, I understand the size and the foot injury issues. I think, you know, he's going to fall. If he's there at 44, is the talent too much to pass on? Think of how this offense changes. The strength of this team, even with all the improvements that have happened along the defensive front, and that and that's one of the reasons why I started off the show the way that I did. Even with all the improvements along the, de- the defense, and I think they can be a good defense, not just an okay defense. I think they can be a good defense this year. Even with those improvements, this is not going to be the 2018 Bears. This is not going to be the 2017 Jaguars. This is not going to be a team that hangs its hat on its defense. This is going to be an Aaron Rodgers team, which means the identity of this team is on offense. That's why the Packers hired Matt LaFleur. They recognize that the identity of this team is on offense. So why not buoy this roster with as many playmakers and as many blue chip talents as you can fit on it. You go back to 2011, that offense, Aaron Rodgers went absolute God mode, it's true. 
Jordy Nelson was on that team, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, James Jones, Jermichael Finley. I mean, they were on the cover of Sports Illustrated because it's one of the most loaded pass-catching groups that has ever been put together by God or man. It shouldn't be a coincidence that Aaron Rodgers lit the world on fire that year. In 2014, he had a 1,000-yard rusher and 2,000-yard receivers. Jordy Nelson was peak of his powers. Randall Cobb was peak of his powers. And Eddie Lacy was, if not peak, pert near close. He was right there. I mean, that was that was at his peak. And it didn't matter that Richard Rodgers was the tight end and isn't very good. And it didn't matter that James Starks was just a guy as the secondary running back. And it didn't matter that Devontae Adams wasn't ready to step in and assume a full-time role in this offense. The other guys were so good and that it allowed Aaron Rodgers to just play and not worry. When you have that kind of talent, it makes your quarterback's life so much easier. And bringing in that kind of talent is the best way to make sure your new offensive-minded head coach succeeds. So don't be surprised if we get three weeks from now, first pick, offensive player. At number 12, 30th overall pick, it's an offensive player. 44th overall pick, it's an offensive player. I know that we're used to the Ted Thompson drafting model where it's just going to be defense, 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 defense. He was trying to cover up for the deficiencies of Dom Capers in particular who couldn't decide how to play Casey Hayward or Micah Hyde or Demarius Randall or insert defensive back here. Going out and being aggressive in free agency allows this team to pick a bunch of offensive players if those are the best players to pick, if those are the guys that maximally improve your roster in that situation. And that is what we've been talking about and building toward this whole offseason is that flexibility allows Green Bay to take those kind of swings. And I just want you to remember the identity of this team and the deficiencies that we saw last year how many of them were on offense, and and just what blue-chip offensive players might be able to do to bolster this team moving forward. All right, we'll be back tomorrow, last show of the week, and then back next week for four all-new shows. March, you guys, was a record-setting month, another record-setting month for Locked on Packers. I cannot express my appreciation for you, Thank you for being a part of this awesome ride. Uh, we are also, in uh, the coming weeks, going to be doing a, a multiple-part series on Locked On NFL and do a, a mock draft. I'm going to be one of the analysts on that that series of content. So check that out. Uh, we're going to be going through a host-based mock draft. So I, I get to pick twice. You'll get to see who I pick. And, and uh, you should already be listening to Locked on NFL and Locked on NFL Draft and, and the work that those guys do is tremendous. Uh, I'm on those shows sometimes, and I'll be on those shows for this. So check it out if you get the opportunity, and you should because you should be subscribed. Use the Himalaya Podcast app if you want. That would be great. I would appreciate that. But you can also find us on Spotify, on Google Play, on iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know why you like the show, why other people should like the show. You can always submit your questions to me, like Matthew from Cape Cod. You can do it on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. I'm not going to call it my screen name this time. 
It's my my Twitter handle. You can do it uh, at the show at Locked On Packers, or like Matthew, you can use the Locked On Packers fan hotline. The number nine two zero three four one three seven seven five. Real Locked On Packers fans know that's the best way to stay Locked On Packers.